0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways We believe Jesus is
1: real. so is what Jesus says. He says, "As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten." He's like, when I love you, I will call you out on it, not because I want to judge you, but because I love you. And of course, Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father, the son in whom he delights.
0: God has some hard things to say to the church in Laodicea today because these words are in the Bible, it's a good idea to find out if these words are for you, too. God wants you to grow in your walk with Him. This can include times where He needs to do some hard work inside, in the places you've tried to keep hidden. Pastor Daniel shares that He's not doing this out of spite, not at all. It's because He loves you more than you can fathom. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 3 as he continues his message, the church in Laodicea. Jesus is
1: real. He says, I know your works, I know what you're doing, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's why I said we don't want to make Jesus sick. Because the problem for the church in Laodicea, and let's just be honest, the problem for many of us is that we're kind of spiritually indifferent. We're lukewarm. Now you think about this idea of he is vomiting this water out of his mouth. Now, for the church in Laodicea, this would mean some really important things because the city of Hierapolis, which was seven miles north of Laodicea, was known for its famous hot springs, right? And what's interesting is Colossae, if you read extra-biblical literature, they had really great pure cold water. Kind of being in between the two, the Laodiceans were used to having kind of lukewarm water but you know what it's like, you, you ever go to drink a cup of, someone gives you a hand, you a cup of coffee, here, have a cup of coffee. You expect it to be warm, right? But if it's kind of lukewarm, you're like, oh, or if you're thirsty, you just went out for a run. I went running yesterday. Listen, if you ever see me running, just pray. <laughs> so I was out running yesterday, you know, and, and, and like I was running and I'm like, when I get, all I get, when I'm done running, now someone's bound to ask, so how much did you run? I ran a 3K. Everyone say, go Pastor Daniel. I'm happy I made it here today. I should be panting on the side of the trail. It's like, oh, why do I do this? What's funny is I go run with my little Annabelle. She can run like three marathons and she doesn't even feel it. She's like, this is great. I'm like, I'm dying. But anyway, it's like when you're done running or if you're done working out, the last thing you want is lukewarm water, right? Because cold water at least refreshes. Warm water has kind of the healing principles to it, whether it's you're taking a cup of tea or soup But really, lukewarm really doesn't have a purpose on either side. And so, like running on a hot day when you want something and you drink lukewarm water, you spit it right out, you don't want that. Because it's not fulfilling its purpose. And in the same way, the church in Laodicea, with its complacency, its self-satisfaction, its indifference, is really missing out on what Jesus has. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you're missing out on it because it doesn't fulfill its purpose. Now, let's just talk about this for a second, because I know when we start talking about this idea of being kind of lukewarm, spiritually complacent, it'd be easy to say, well, listen, so Fusco, you're a pastor. You never feel that way, and that's not true at all. I'm just like all of you. We're all taking this together, right? And I'm here to tell you, as someone who's followed Jesus for over two decades and been in ministry, that we have to battle for spiritual vitality and vibrancy. And the reason we have to battle for it is because it is not the natural condition of the human heart. It is a work of God by his spirit. And if you are not continually cultivating spiritual vitality, the normal flow of life and the way that we live, your vitality will be lessening over time. And I am quite sure, without taking a show of hands here in our line, that if I'm saying, how many of you feel like you're spiritually complacent and lukewarm right now, your hands won't go up because you don't want other people to know, but deep down in your heart, you're like, that's totally me right now, right? And and I'm here to tell you that as one of your brothers in in the faith, one of your pastors, I have to battle for my spiritual vitality every day. I have to fight for it. Because you can read your Bible every day and still not be spiritually vibrant. You can pray every day and not be spiritually vibrant. You might think to yourself, no, no, but if you're reading the word, no. Because sometimes you can read the word, and the word breaks your heart, levels you, challenges you. And other times you read the word, and you're just, okay, yeah, okay. Jesus healed someone. That's awesome. Okay. Right? And we live in a day and age, of course, with all that we've gone through as a culture and are going through over the last couple of years, Like, if you listen to the social scientists, which we should, they give us a good insight into what's going on and what's on people's minds and hearts. They're talking about this condition called languishing. It's been, you know, written about, there's TED Talks about it now. Adam Weber, who's one of the foremost social psychologists, the Wharton School of Business, and he's talked about this many, many times. And now people are talking about this idea of people just feeling depleted, you know, people just feeling like they're just kind of languishing in all of this. And it's like, and that's real because of all the the pressure that we've gone through and all that's happening. And then you have all the struggles that are going on in families and in communities. You know, after, you know, two years of, it just feels like a constant boxing match with the world and life. People are tired or people are pretending like they're not tired, just more angry and agitated, right? And everyone's just kind of like hitting this point. It almost feels like a breaking point, And as I think about this, I think to myself, you know what, for the people of God, we're in that same thing. It's not like we're divorced from it because we believe in Jesus. But what happens is if you're not careful and if you're not saying, Lord, I want to fellowship with you today. I want to walk with you today. Lord, I need to do battle against the things that rob my soul of joy. If you don't show up for that battle every day, I guarantee you, you're in that battle. You're just losing the battle. And what's amazing is for the church of Laodicea, they were doing work. They were a church, but they were lukewarm overall. And we're gonna see why in a second, but what I wanna encourage you is I wanna encourage you to say, Lord, will you help me take my spiritual temperature today? Like, where am I at right now? Now, here's what I wanna tell you. Whatever your spiritual temperature is right now, that is not the end of the story. Like any journey, you need to know your starting point to find a course to the destination, But if you're here today and you're saying, I am lukewarm today, I'm not hot, on fire for Jesus, really excited about my faith, or I'm not cold. What's amazing that Jesus would prefer people to be completely off than to be there, but bland, very provocative. Like you're like, really? Because the problem with spiritual complacency is unless you diagnose what's going on, it's going to continue because it's normal. So it's like, Jesus wants us to be able to say, this is where I'm at today. And I'm gonna tell you here at Crossroads, so a lot of churches, like, unless you're like, I am so on fire for Jesus, that you do feel like you don't fit in. This is like, this is, everyone's in a different spot today. And wherever you are, I'm gonna tell you, we accept you right where you are, and so does Jesus. But the key is, don't you don't wanna stay where you are. That's the key. Wherever we are today, if you're like, man, right now, if I am so on fire, then praise God, keep stoking that fire out. Like, don't change anything. But if you're like, man, I think I'm a little bit indifferent. I'm a little complacent spiritually. You know, there was a time when I was all excited about the things of God, but now I don't know. Then you say, okay, this is where I'm at. Lord, what are the steps I'm supposed to take? Now, you want to turn up the temperature? Get hungry. I'm here to tell you. When you set yourself apart to fast, all sorts of things. Now, if you've never fasted before, you're giving up something so that you can seek after God with that time. In the Bible, fasting is almost always food-related, because God's like, yeah, you need food, but I want you to not eat so that you can seek me instead. Now, listen, I want you to talk to your doctor. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the internet or on a TV show. But I realize that for some of you, fasting can be challenging because of you know uh, different health conditions. So I want you to be careful. But here's the deal. The key is like, I'm setting myself apart for God. And I'm here to tell you, when you fast, God meets you in very powerful ways. I don't understand it. I just know that every time I fast, God does something crazy in my heart. And so I'm excited for that. And I want to encourage you, make a plan fast. And if you're like, listen, I think I am lukewarm, then I want you to say, Lord, I will, will you raise my spiritual temperature? Lord, what, am I, what steps am I supposed to take? Lord, what did I used to do when I was on fire that I've stopped doing now? And let the Lord do the work in our hearts. Now, here's what I want to tell you is that really our spiritual vitality is a inside thing it's a soul level thing that god does it's a heart level thing but it always is encouraged or discouraged by outward actions so i was just talking to someone recently and i know this very personally in my own life that when i do not feel spiritually vital i continue to serve jesus i'm going to tell you that if i only preached when i felt like super spiritually vital and encouraged and vibrant i wouldn't preach very much because I'm in person and I'm trying to walk with Jesus like all the rest of us. But the key is, is that when you aren't feeling all that excitement spiritually, when you show up, oftentimes by showing up, you see God moving and that gets you excited. So the key is to be faithful if you're continuing on, but don't feel like, oh, I don't feel really, really vivacious spiritually right now, so I don't want to serve. No, no, you should serve still. But the key is, is saying, Lord, as I'm serving, I always say, Lord, I'm going to do what I know to be right, but will you bring my heart around? And I realize that my heart is always in last place. You know And I'm saying? Lord, we do that work in me? Lord, excite my heart for this. Get me excited about what you're doing. But you got to keep showing on up. But it's something on the inside. It's like, it's your internal spiritual temperature. And really for the church of the Laodicea, it's not that they didn't have works. It wasn't that they weren't together as a church. But Jesus says on a heart level, there's a blandness or an indifference to the things of God, to the things of faith, to the things of discipleship. So from there, Jesus doesn't just say, listen, you're making me sick, but notice what he says. He wants to give them the diagnosis why they're like this. Look at what it says next. And this is a tough one for us, so I'm gonna read this, and now I want us to let it land. I want to let it land. Listen to what it says. He says, Verse 17, because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love... I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Now, to put this in context, I would say simply, the principle we learn here is that you need to receive the rebuke. Jesus is calling out why the church of the Laodiceans is lukewarm. And it's simply because they suffered from a spiritual blindness and they were kind of ignorant of their position. See, for the church of the Laodiceans, because it was a commercial center, they were more wealthy than other people. And because they had been doing well materially, they're like, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have everything that I need. Now, here's the deal. I realize that as a church family, I realize that Vancouver, Washington, and the Portland metro area isn't the most affluent area in the world, but by global standards, we all live in more comfort than anywhere else in the world. Like, you know, I always tell people like, we have to put things in context. Now, of course, there are people in our society who are billionaires and all this different stuff. But if you look at the global wealth standard, all of us are in the 1%. Anybody who makes more than $20,000 a year is in the top 1% of wage earners in the globe. Right? So by and large, all of us live in comfort. I mean, we're here in church. You're wearing clothes. Praise God. God. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> everyone was like, hey, man, you know, it's like you ate. And if you didn't eat, we'll give you some food when you're here. Like, we have a lot. But the thing is, is for the church in Laodicea, they were ignorant to where they were at spiritually because they were comfortable. Like, we got this thing. And here's the thing. For each one of us, because we live in the society we do at the time that we do, we have to make sure that we don't allow the comforts in which we live to make us spiritually dull. Now, some people would say that the only way to fix this, of course, is to become poor. And, and there's been all movements within the history of Christianity that says in order to counteract this, you need to live, be poor, you know, go beg for food. And then you'll know who God is, which I think, like, I mean, some people do that. If that's what you choose to do, that's fine. But I actually think that the key is to learn how to have the comforts and also really be spiritually vibrant. They're not mutually exclusive. One doesn't mean the other isn't possible. I always like to say that as a church, we reject all false dichotomies because they're false and Jesus is the truth. So the key is, is with your cell phone plan or your refrigerator or your car, or your cell phone, or your outfits in your closet, or whatever? Can you have those things and still be on fire spiritually? And the answer is, you absolutely can. But the problem for the church of Laodicea, and again, I think it's a very human problem, is that they were self-deceived. Listen to what they're saying. Jesus says, because you say, I am rich and I become wealthy and I have need of nothing, verse 17, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He's like, you have all the stuff and you're deceived at thinking that you're not spiritually destitute. And the key for all of us is to be able to say, Lord, I don't want to be self-deceived. See, I always like to talk about the blind spot, right? I talk about it here all the time because One of the things that I know is that none of us realize what's in our blind spot because it's a blind spot, right? And everyone's good at showing you what's in your blind spot because they can see your blind spot. But what's funny is they can't see what's in their own blind spot, right? And and so that's why it becomes challenging because nobody really likes to admit this is my blind spot, but we all have them. Now, in your families and in your small groups, when you're in deep relationships with people... The best of biblical community are people, it's a place of grace where we help each other navigate what's in our blind spots. But oftentimes, if we're good at identifying other people's blind spots, and we're not good at letting people help us with our blind spots, or we're too proud to say we have blind spots, then we become those kind of proud, haughty people that nobody wants to talk to. So it ends up being, it's got to be a two-way street where it's like you want to be in relationships with people where they can say, hey, listen, I think this might be one of your blind spots. And your first thing should be like, no, it's not. Who are you? Don't you know what's in your blind spot? That's how you know it's a blind spot when you're just like, it's not there. No, everyone's got them. But the key for us is to be teachable people to say, listen, I'm aware that I have blind spots and I'm aware that I don't know what's in those blind spots unless people help me. Now, for those of you who are married, oftentimes the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like your spouse. <laughs> Hallelujah! But oftentimes, because you're married, it's the hardest to receive that information from your spouse, isn't it? Because they've seen all of it. They have their own things. You have your own things. But the key is is to if you're willing to. Not do what the Laodiceans have done. If we are willing to say, I realize that I am in process. God has not finished with me yet. I realize that, no, even if I've been walking with Jesus for 50 years, I got all sorts of blind spots, things that I don't realize, things that aren't together yet, right? And I'm going to be willing to let people speak into my life. Then you don't end up with this ignorance that is leading to a complacency that is making Jesus sick. So it comes down to, are we willing to receive The rebuke. Because this is what Jesus says. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He's like, when I love you, I will call you out on it, not because I want to judge you, but because I love you. And of course, Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights." See, the Father loves you enough to want to be able to help you understand where you're falling short. Listen to the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, now no chastening seems to be joyful in the present, but painful. I love how real the Bible was. It's like the chastening is never fun when it's happening. It's painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, I love that. So when someone's coming and saying, listen, I think this is, you gotta look at this. You know? When it happens, it's not fun. It's painful. But it's fruitful. And the key is in the moment when our pride gets up and are like, oh, who do you think you are to talk to me that way? You know, all the thing that we do. If you remember, no, no, this is not fun, but it gets the job done, right? It's like once we make it, if I'm willing to be trained by this, then it's gonna yield this peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's gonna, I'm gonna be changed. And in a lot of ways, Jesus is saying to all of us, will you let me be your Lord? And will you let me help you see where you are? And will you trust that I will bear fruit in your life by my spirit if you do not reject what I want to do in you or what I want to share with you, but you allow me and trust me because I want to make your life fruitful. And he's saying the same thing to the church in Laodicea. And he's saying the same thing to me and you every single day. Every day of our lives, my friends, is an invitation from Jesus to come to him to be changed. To come to him and grow. To come to him when he says, listen, where you are is where you are, but I'm not done working on you yet. So will you trust me? And for the church in Laodicea, they were deceived they were ignorant of their condition and it created a lukewarmness. But Jesus doesn't just say, listen, you guys are jacked up, you're ignorant, you're all messed up. But look what he says in the middle here because in verse 18, he's like, listen what I want you to do. I count you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. Now, what's amazing is, is for the church later to see it, they had a bunch of gold, right? That, that, was, the, that was the coinage of the day. So, so it was a wealthy place. But he's like, listen, I want you. I want to give you the pure gold those heavenly riches, right? So that you can really truly be rich. He's like, and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness might be revealed. Now, what's interesting is in the land of the Laodiceans, they were well known for their black garments. They would get this wool, they would dye it black. It was like, it was like a sign of like their community, right? And he's like, no, no, I wanna make you white as snow. So he's saying, what you have, there's a nakedness that only I can cover, And of course, that's a great reference to, of course, the Garden of Eden, remember, with Adam and Eve, and they tried to make their fig leaves. First religion, right there. They felt naked, they felt shame. Ooh, I'm gonna get myself some fig leaf boxers. You know? That's what religion is. It's humans' attempt to cover up their shame and nakedness. All religion is that, right? So we say, and God's like, no, 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 listen, the fig leaves ain't gonna work for multiple reasons. You know, so God made, you know, kill that lamb, clothe them, and in a lot of ways, he's saying, look, there's a nakedness that you have that your clothes can't cover. Only I can give you those garments of forgiveness. And he says, and then come to me, again, in the middle of verse 18, where it says, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Because remember, they were blind. Now, what's interesting is there was something that was well-known in that day called the Phrygian powder, which was this eye ointment that helped people it's from, right from that region. So it would been very common for the Laird to see it, that Jesus like, actually, I have something else for your eyes. So he took things that they knew, gold, fashion, medicine. He's like, "But well, I count you, come to me and let me give it to you. Let me be the great physician who can open your eyes. Let me be the one who can take your sins and make it white as snow. Let me be the one to give you true riches. And that is always the invitation of Jesus. It's always, will you come to me and let me do what only I can do? And he, that's, he's inviting each one of us. For many of us, we have said yes to Jesus, right? For many of us, we said, Jesus, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, Lord, do for me what I can't do for myself. I tried other things, it didn't work.
0: Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel shared a powerful truth today every single day is a new opportunity for you to come to Jesus and be changed. So have you taken that opportunity today? Maybe Jesus wants to encourage you in the face of a trial. Maybe he wants to warn you about an area of sin that you've let into your heart. Maybe, like the church of Laodicea, you've grown lukewarm in your service of him. Whatever it is that God wants to do in you, let him do it today, right now. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of
1: books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the
0: bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the Stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Today's edition of Jesus Is Real Radio wrapped up Pastor Daniel's examinations of the letters to the seven churches, as well as the first three chapters of Revelation. Now, you get to join him as he embarks on the rest of this book about what the Lord has planned for this world. As you study, remember what Pastor Daniel has said about the point of the book of Revelation. It's all about Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.